the NFL draft is returning to its birthplace. It's got a chance to be as good a class at running back as we've seen probably since that 2008 group. When you watch him on tape, you just don't see separation. You could be looking at the second or third best player overall. At He's six. a real, real intriguing guy. He is definitely an ascending guy. My top two players this year are freaks. His vision, his run tempo, his patience. He's a game changer. Play in and play out. Just grind it. There's not a running back in today's NFL that you can really, truly compare him to. You want to move back? I need to move back to get down. I think we're going to see quarterbacks go high in this draft. Do you go that high with one of these guys? Or do you kind of wait gamble? Maybe you can trade down. Back and see where he is. So his upside is maybe as great as anyone. He's the biggest, strongest, fastest guy out there. And finally, welcome to the 2017 New York Jets Draft Show. We're brought to you today by MCU, the official credit union of the New York Jets. We're here at MetLife Stadium, the 50-yard line, in fact. On stage, I'm joined by Rich Sermonello and the mad backer himself, Bart Scott, in the building. Thousands of season ticket holders coming in here to MetLife Stadium. The annual Jets draft party 2017 draft is almost upon us. Guys, got to be excited right now because uh, the Jets are going to get better in a couple hours. Yeah, I think the Jets are going to get much better with the number six pick. I don't think there's any question about that. We've gone through this process now for the past three months. So I think everybody's eager to see not just the Jets, but all 32 teams in which direction do they go? Well, I think in the current you know, collective bargaining agreement with how guys are slotted now, I think you're going to see a lot of activity early in this draft, a lot of trades. And ever since they've gone to this new format where players are slotted, you know, it's always been exciting to see who's going to move up, who's going to, who's going to mortgage the, the, the future you know, for right now, who's going to try and move up from the 20s up to the top five. And I think the Jets are in prime position to, one, either move up or move down, but also they can get them a blue player right now. All right. Mike McCagnan has said he is open for business. If teams <laughs> want to move up, give the Jets a call because he wants to stockpile draft picks in a very deep class. The Jets are sitting there at six. We know the Cleveland Browns hold the cards early because they have the number one overall selection in the 2017 NFL Draft. A lot of noise today, gentlemen, as far as who are the Browns going to go with? Miles Garrett, the pass rusher out of Texas A&M, or the quarterback from North Carolina, Mitch Trubisky? Bart, it seems like now the late reports out of Cleveland are that it's going to be Miles Garrett. Well, I think the, I think the Cleveland Browns are still a ways away from being a competitive football team right now. You have to get the best players, and I think if you ask collectively the scouts around the, the around the league, they're going to say that Miles Garrett is the best prospect. He's a he's, you can never say a can't miss talent, but I don't think you overreach for a quarterback this early, especially when you have three that's kind of on the same playing field. You can move down if you don't get Trubisky. You can get you know Watson and be happy with that as well. You know you talk about two teams that have a lot of flexibility. You talk about the Cleveland Browns, you talk about the Tennessee Titans, both who have two picks in the first round. I think you get Miles Garrett, and then you're open for business, and you try and get the, whoever you have touted at your top-rated quarterback later in the round. So, Rich, what do you think about that? Do the Browns grab Garrett and then try to package that 12 overall selection and move up to ensure themselves to Trubisky? Yeah, I think that makes the most sense at this point. If there's, if there's one player that is can't miss. It has to be Miles Garrett. I, I know there are some questions about maybe he doesn't have passion for football, but when you look at that combination of size, speed, tenacity, everyone I've ever talked to said he's a high football character guy, so he's going to bring it in practice. I think he loves the sport. I think he's the closest thing to a sure thing. And, you know, Bart is mentioning quarterback. I mean, listen, do you, do you want a quarterback on this team that is not going to have the tools around him? How demoralizing would it be 
for a Deshaun or a Mitch Trubisky if they're a part of that organization. Well, you don't want to damage a young player early. We saw Carr struggling Houston with that as well. They don't have the surrounding players. They do have a blue chip Hall of Fame player in Joe Thomas. You know his blind side to be covered. But if you can't establish that with a solid run game and be able to build around a young player, I think you get the pieces around them. I think last year their quarterbacks, they're, they're about equal. I forget the kid from USC. He played admirably at times. I think you continue to build around him, continue to stockpile future picks, trade it up and sound the board. They're playing money ball right now. Sashi Brown, you know, he's an analytics type of guy. I think you try and get your blue chip player. They missed the opportunity last year when they didn't go out and get Wentz. I think it's not a quarterback in this draft of those, at that caliber. So you go with the short miss. You know, the short can't miss Miles Garrett, who's a pass rusher. You think about this game now, you need a quarterback, you need a pass rusher. It used to be that the cornerbacks were the most important players, but now stopping the most important player on the opposing team is the pass rusher. All right, enough about the Cleveland Browns. Let's talk about the New York Jets, who do hold that number six overall selection tonight as the draft gets underway. Rich, starting with you, who do you think is going to be available for the green and white when they are put on the clock if they don't trade back? I think offensively, I, I think we have to talk about O.J. Howard, the tight end from Alabama. Leonard Fournette could be a possibility. The running back from LSU would be a splashy pick, would be a face-of-the-franchise type of a player. Defensively, I think we have to talk about defensive backfield. Uh, I would love to see a Jamal Adams, the safety slip. Don't think it happens. But Marshawn Lattimore from Ohio State, Malik Hooker from Ohio State, those are two players that could possibly fall into the Jets' lap. Bart, who's jumping out to you? Um, I love the Howard kid only because of the combination between him and Safarian Jenkins, what that can really do to opposing defenses, being that you can have two pass-catching tight ends that can also help you in the in the pass protection as well. Keep one guy in, split them out. They can act as receivers as well. I think um, you can't go wrong with Fournette. Um, he, he, I think he's a guy who can carry the load. I saw him yesterday. He looks great. It looks like he's keeping that water weight off. <laughs> uh, you know, he was there with his family, had a huge entourage. Uh, happy for the kid. It's always a, a great time. You know, you see guys that work so hard to come to this point and really enjoy the night before, you know, you have to go to work and, and get that business done. I, I would love the combination between him and Bilal Powell, who we know, I believe, has earned the right to get a lot more playing time. He's still relatively young in his career. He has low tread on. He still has a lot of tread left on the tires. But if I had to pick, I think the biggest matchup in any draft is that tight end. They, they've revolutionized the game because they're a matchup nightmare. The Jets are fortunate to have two of those guys, and you can do a lot of things with the two tight end personnel. Okay, so uh, Rich Cervinello and the mad backer himself, Bart Scott, say if O.J. Howard is on the board, they'd like the Alabama tight end to come in here and be a Jet. With that being said, there are six picks Friday and Saturday for the Jets. Bottom line is, not only do you have to hit early, but here is a draft. A lot of talent, a lot of depth. How important, Bart, your guy wasn't drafted. I mean, how important are Friday and Saturday when you're in a team in transition and you're trying to build... Well, if you're picking in the top 10 every year, then you're not a pretty good team. So you hope that this is the Jets' last time up in here so they have to make sure that they win. But then you think about in the second rounds, that's when the teams are really made. That's when you get guys that are coming in hungry. They're going to be positional type of players. They're going to be role players. But also those are guys that you know may just need a little bit of development, some coaching, and they can turn into a, become a, a, a you, know, you think about Leon Washington, I think about Drew Coleman, I think about Eric Smith, I think about some of the guys that are major contributors to some of the teams that I was a part of. You know, They were guys that came in as late draft picks, but they contributed and they were well, and they're always going to be cheap. Your team can't be full of high-priced free agents and high draft picks. You know, if you, The great teams have guys that they find, and that's where your scouting department really comes into play. Rich, what jumps off to you about the second round and beyond as we'll start day two Friday night. Well, listen, I, I, the Jets are going to choose, in my opinion, either the tight end or a defensive back with that first pick. Yeah. If you look deeper in the draft, those are two positions that are very deep. I mean, defensive backfield in general, corners, safeties, tight ends on offense, a tremendous amount of depth. So if it's Howard in the first, you could still get some quality DBs second round and beyond. 
if it's one of the defensive backs, tremendous tight ends, one of the deepest tight end classes I can remember. So you could go deeper even beyond that second and third round and still get a playmaker at that tight end position. So a lot of talent and a lot of talent in areas where the Jets need help. Now, offensive line, I think the Jets can use some offensive linemen. But this draft is different because (laughs) usually every year you can say, hey, this is going to be a a tackle or two in the top ten. When when is the first offensive lineman going to go in this draft? It it could be Forrest Lamp, and he's not even a tackle. Well, I I tell you what, when you think about the tackle position and how it's changed, I played with the likes of Willie Rowe, Jonathan Ogden, you know, young Joe Thomas, you know, uh, Walter Walter Jones, you know, uh, Big Willie out in Cincinnati. They don't make those players anymore. Those guys don't exist. And now you have positional guys. It's not that 6'8", 6'7", 350-pound dominant lineman tackle anymore. And I think, you know, when you think about the tackle position, and I think it's a big disconnect between the collegiate level and the pro level because now these guys aren't used. They're used to playing basketball, getting in front, you know, going side to side. And, you know, in the league, you have to drop back and protect that seven-step drop. And they, they're just not used to doing that. They're not big enough to really handle, you know, the bull rushes and things of those sorts. So I think, you know, you, you get you a tackle late in the draft and you develop them. Um, let's talk about the Jets offseason to date. It released uh, a number of prominent veterans, Brandon Marshall, Darrell Rivas, um, Nick Mangold, Breno Giacomini, Nick Folk. Uh, Bart, some of these guys, you played with them. Uh, a lot of these guys, you played with them. But it's a salary cap era. The Jets won just five games last year. There's obviously a youth movement going on here. A lot of these players over 30 years of age, what stands out to you as far as making those necessary moves here this offseason? Well, you can't win with a high salary cap. You have to do you have to do a money purge, and that's just the business. You have to go young, and it's a time for these young guys to have an opportunity to play and to develop because you're stunting their growth, so to speak. Because every year you're trying to win, but the young players don't get to get an opportunity. The only way you're going to get better is by actually playing in real life moments. And I think the Jets have a very young football team. I remember being a part of a football team after a lot of veterans got purged. When you think about the Baltimore Ravens, you think about yeah. Shannon Sharp. Charles Woodson, Adams, Rob Burnett, all those guys. We came in and we were the youngest team in NFL history. But it allowed us to get some experience. We took our lumps and it allowed us to create a foundation. And that was, those were the teams that were consistently in the playoffs that brought in Joe Flacco and Ray Rice and some of those other players. And that's how we were able to be consistent and win. All right, so so everybody can hear us at Mount Life Stadium. I'm going to ask both of you guys to pick up your mics and speak right into them because we're on the boards throughout MetLife Stadium. Thanks to Jets Nation for attending the Jets annual draft party here at MetLife Stadium. We're getting underway here at 7 o'clock. The general public is going to be in as well. Remember, we are presented today by MCU. It's the official credit union of the New York Jets. Uh, Rich, we're talking about off-season transactions uh, by the Jets. Any surprises to you uh, of the moves that Mike McKagan made as far as the departures are concerned? I don't know so much about surprises. I think it's uh, for the fan base sometimes you've grown accustomed to the Nick Mangold, Darrell Revis. I think it's a little bit difficult to not have those faces in the building anymore. But to Bart's point, part of the business, necessary transition, have to move on, have to do the purge, have to get younger. Uh, I, I think Mike McCagnan did a good job of uh, resisting the temptation to mortgage the future. You add a Morris Claiborne. I like Morris Claiborne. I, I think if he's healthy, he is a quality defensive back. He's an upgrade. And, and Kelvin Beecham, listen, he, he's he's not going to be a top he's tier. Big. <laughs> he's big. He's athletic. Uh, I, I had mentioned to you <laughs> off the air that... Uh, you know, June Jones had once told me one of the most athletic tackles he's ever coached before at SMU. So uh, I, I think it's important to tap the brakes 
and improve through the draft at this point. What about Josh McCown? That's a guy that you faced off against before. Well, you talk, you talk about, you know, Hackenberg. You talk about Bryce Petty. You know, what better pro to learn to than a guy that's been in a lot of different systems, you know, a guy that can really tutor and mentor these guys to teach them how to be a pro, teach them how to prepare. Um, and I think it's going to, you know, if you want to find out what those guys have, sometimes you have to put somebody in there that can lead them to teach them, you know, the, the, the idiosyncrasies of playing a position, how to prepare, what to look for in film. And I think, you know, that it would be great for the Jets because he's a pro. He's going to come out. He's going to put him in positions. To, and he's not going to lose the game. And it, I, I'm excited about this young re- re- receiving core. I, I love Anuwa. You know, he reminds me of Anquan Bolden. You know, he's a beast. You talk about a guy that's willing to do the dirty work. But I think last year showed his ability to separate and kind of be a one to, to one B type of receiver. That Decker comes back. You know, yeah. then if you can get a tight end or or if we can get Safarian Jenkins to kind of step up a little bit, we know what Bilal Powell's been able to do because he's a guy that steps on the football field, and you don't know because he's tough in between the tackles. He's a great receiver of the football, but he'll shorten your neck as well in, in pass coverage. So, you know, I think they have a lot of flexibility. I'm excited about this offense that they have. I think it can only get better. New offensive coordinator in John Morton, new quarterbacks coach in Jeremy Bates for the Jets this year. McCown, he's got uh, some uh, gunslinger mentality in him, doesn't he? No, absolutely. You know, uh, he's a guy that's not afraid to fail. You know, when you've been around the league for as long as he has, and you know, you think about, I, I think about a couple years ago when he was in, you know, he had huge receivers like he'll have with the Jets, and you know, you look what he was able to do in Chicago, pushing the ball down the field, and you talk about some of the numbers he was able to put up. I think, you know, you should be inspired if you're a, a young receiver because he's going to throw the ball where the ball, where the defense dictates the ball is supposed to go. He's not going to make many mistakes. You know, it's just going to be incumbent that these young guys make plays for their quarterback. You mentioned Claiborne. Uh, we're talking about him a little bit. He played his best football last season in Dallas. That's something Jason Garrett told me at the NFL owners' meetings when he was asked about Claiborne. He said, listen, he's a guy we wanted to have back in Dallas. Rich mentioned before, here's a former top 10 pick. If you're him, Bart, are you looking at this as a chance to kind of get a fresh start? You're still a young player. You still have a lot of upside. And now you're going to go to a new organization and a very good medical staff headed by John Melody. Yeah, absolutely. John Melody is one of the best in the business, but also I think Claiborne health is going to be key. He was healthy last year. You know, coming coming in this year, it's going to be him coming. He's a very physical, competitive cornerback at the at the point of attack. He's somebody that you can you know. He's going to have his man. He can roll coverage opposite. It's just going to be incumbent that the Jets, with the Jets as always, they're going to have to find a way to generate a pass rush without blitzing, and you may be able to find one of those players in the second, third round. But make it first. All right, that's the man backer, Bart Scott. I'm here on stage with Rich Sermonello as well. It's the Jets' annual draft party. You're watching live on basically all our platforms right now. We're brought to you today by MCU, the official credit union of the New York Jets. Let's continue to talk some offense and bring in a former Jets running back right now in Zach Stacy. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. So from a three-person set, we go to four. And since you're a former running back, let's talk about the running backs. Let's do that. Let's and do you that. played in the SEC. <laughs> What do you think about Leonard Fournette and his running style, and what excites you about that prospect? Oh, man, it, it, it's crazy. Um, I'm just glad I didn't come out this year because the, the draft class is loaded yeah? this year. You know, guys like Fournette, as you mentioned, you know, Dalvin Cook, um, you know, Christian McCaffrey. But Leonard Fournette brings a, a special element to the table just because you don't see guys 240 pounds run like he does. Waterway, Waterway. Waterway. <laughs> absolutely. But it's actually good because uh, a report said that he actually lost weight. Uh, you know, he's down like 220, uh, 228 pounds now. So I'm eager to see how he does. But once in a, I mean, he's probably the next closest thing to Adrian Peterson, in my, in my opinion. You know, we said a lot about that about Todd Gurley. Obviously, he had a down season last year. But I think, you know, he's going to be, Fournette's going to have a chance to have a uh, splash like Ezekiel Elliott did. Bart, what do you think about that? Adrian Peterson comparison here. I see the comparison, um, but what Fournette's going to have to do on the next level is be able to be a receiver of the ball because it's a different game now. You know, me personally, I'm stuck between Dalvin Cook 
and McCaffrey. I love McCaffrey because he's tough in between the tackles, but I just don't think he's a good fit for this team. But I think he's the best. He may not have the best career, but I think he's going to have the most impact. You talk about a guy who touches the ball in the, in the, in the return game. He can run the ball in between the tackles. He's more physical than you think. You talk about pedigree. We talk about this all the time with the Matthews, the legacy, and all that stuff. You know, his dad was a tough SOB, and his dad knows that he, he can go in. His dad's not going, to, not going to pacify him. He's going to tell him what he needs to do to be a pro. He's going to be business and working like in offseason. He played for David Shaw, who, who, who I've worked with before, a member the Baltimore Ravens, so he's been in a pro-style offense, and he, he's a great receiver of the ball. He could be a matchup nightmare because you go empty and you put him in that slot, and you, you get stuck with that linebacker on him, that safety, he can, he can go to work. Rich, why is Delvin Cook's stock possibly falling, or is that something that's just made up right now? Because like Bart just mentioned, you watch Delvin Cook on tape, and you say, this guy is Devontae dynamic, De he's explosive, Brady. he is perfect yes. for the National Football League. How can he How can he fall out of the first round? Yeah, listen, if you watch the tape, I mean, I see the second coming of Jamal Charles. I mean, just an absolutely explosive, violent runner. Once he gets through the second level, he will go the distance. He was productive. He played through injuries. There's two things that I think are concerning NFL teams right now. He's had a history of shoulder problems, okay. so I, I think there is the potential for health. And there are red flags that have begun to pop up about some off-field issues. So I think there's some concerns about character, not football character, but off-field character. Listen. I think he's the best running back in this class. I, I think five years from now, we're talking about a Pro Bowl running back. He might slip. He might wind up with the Buccaneers. But this is an elite running back of this class. The fellas over here are having a side conversation about Delvin Cook. Miss? What did I miss? DeVar is a big fan. There's no doubt about that. Devontae Cook, to me, reminds me of Freeman. And I said a couple years ago when Freeman was coming out, I said, listen, this guy has an NFL-style game. I watched a guy that was tough between the tackles that had that. All great running backs had that tremendous jump cut where you, you, you can't quite get around him. I like my running backs about 5, 10, and shorter. You know what I mean? Because I think it's less body target to hit, and they're always going to take hits on the top of the shoulder pads, which concerns me because you talk about his shoulder, and that's where he's going to take a lot of his hits as he protects his legs as some of the, you know, the, we call them the hyenas, you know, the cornerbacks try and cut his toes out. Well, uh, we're joined up here on stage by Rich Sermonello, Bart Scott, and Zach Stacy. Uh, people are filing in here to the Jets annual draft party at MetLife Stadium. We're outside a beautiful night, 50-yard line, and just about an hour, the NFL draft is going to kick off. Zach, since we have you up here, what do you think about uh, Christian McCaffrey? Did everything at Stanford, the guy. Uh, you know, when you think about somebody who, who averaged more than 200 all-purpose yards Man. per game, and guys... He was the focal point. I mean, it was McCaffrey. Every defense said, we got to stop this guy. He can do everything. He can run between the tackles. He can line him up as a receiver. And he is also a threat on special teams. Exactly. Hey, very, very dynamic player. Very dynamic player. For the most part, he does a great job of just being versatile. And that's what the name of the game is changing for a running back. You have to be able to do it all. You have to be able to run, obviously, block, catch balls out the backfield. That way you see guys like Devontae Freeman have success, Tevin, Tevin Coleman have success, those guys. It's all, it's all about this passing league, and the best way to get your hands on the ball is any way possible. And I think the best fit for McCaffrey is with the Panthers. Obviously, take a little pressure off Cam Newton, and obviously the Panthers need that prolific offense with the run balance. He brings that impact. I see the wheels spinning, Bart. Because, you know, it's, this is not, not going to be very popular, what I'm about to say. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, in the NFL, it's still stereotypes. Sometimes we hear the stereotype about the black uh, quarterback, and you talk about his height. I think Chris McCaffrey is suffering from the stereotype of a white tailback. And that's just the God-honest truth, because if he was a black running back, I think we would be talking about him at the same likes as Reggie Bush. Remember, Reggie Bush was like, is Reggie Bush going first or second? Are we taking Mario Williams or Reggie Bush? This guy is every bit 
the player Reggie Bush is, but I think he's a little bit tougher, and I think he can be. He's you know, you talk about Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush would always bounce to the outside. This guy doesn't mind going in between the tackles. He's got blazing speed. He has everything. But I think everybody still suffers with the stereotype that what is a what, what is a white tailback because they haven't seen it in a long time. Not since what, what's what's the Hercules guy from uh, from from Denver? You know that was on the cut the, the, the cover of Madden. It'll come to me later. Oh, I, I know you're talking company. about him. Yeah, and that was a, and that Peyton Hillis, but and that was a, that, that was a different type of runner. This guy is the modern day yes. Reggie Bush, better, more durable, and more experienced, and more seasoned. How about that? We have a great crowd here at MetLife Stadium tonight. You're taking a look live here as people continue to file in. It, yep, some noise out there. How about a couple of jets? It's okay. It's okay to, you're outside. You should get excited. Get excited here. Eric Allen alongside Rich Romanello, Bart Scott, and Zach Stacy. Uh, we're talking running backs. And since we're since we're broadcasting live right now. Are we? I thought we were taping. We're going to edit all that stuff. Let's, let's talk oh, about broadcasting. <laughs> let's talk about broadcasting, Bart. Because the guy to your left just got back from broadcasting boot camp. Uh, how was that? Was JB there? Uh, I don't think he was this year. Oh, I don't think man. he was this year. But it was a you great experience, man. I, I definitely need to holler at you before I leave. Oh, but good. at the end of the day, it was a great foundation, man. Just getting your foot into that industry and a lot of this stuff I learned is all about credibility. That's why there's a, a certain trend that's going on right now with former players getting into this industry. I think that's good because the credibility factor is a big thing into the, in this industry. When keeping it real goes wrong. Listen, you just can't be afraid to step out there. If you believe it's sin and don't apologize about it, you know, you might get some text messages from some former teammates. But listen, <laughs> you got a family to feed. You're trying to move, make the transition to the next phase of your life, and you have to be honest. As long as you don't say it in a condescending way, if you mess up, you mess up. I love you, but I got to do you, and I got to call you out. <laughs> when did you know that, hey, listen, after my career is over, because we always talked about it at the Jets facility, you said you're going to play till everything falls off, till all the wheels are gone. But when did you know that, hey, listen, once I make the transition, because you're a successful businessman, I'm going to do some broadcasting? Well, you know what? I, I never intended to go into broadcasting. What happened is people told me they thought I would be a natural. And what I've learned along my, my journey is you never know what other people see in you, but you don't discredit because somebody can see something you didn't, you don't see in yourself. And listen, I, I'm never afraid to fail, so I said I would try it. You know, I tried it. I got a great opportunity um, coming right out the gate at a great network, CBS, and, you know, we, we were taking it from there. But, you know, I, I never had a plan. Uh, to just step off that way, but I, I, when, when people told me about it, I just start planting seeds. Let me let me let me look into this just in case, you know. So TV was my just in case, and it was a good just in case. Yeah, no doubt, you're doing a tremendous job. Everybody in Jets Nation continues to watch Bar Scott and follow some uh, Zach. When you look ahead to the draft and tonight, what are you most looking forward to as far as a Jets? Perspective is concerned. We were talking about it when we came on live tonight. The Jets have obviously the number six overall selection. Mike McKagan has said he would like to stockpile picks, but he said, I'm fine where we're at too. So if we're going to select somebody, we're in good shape. From a Jets fan's perspective, what should they be looking out for? I think they should be looking at OJ Howard. From, from Alabama. Another vote for O.J. Howard. Yeah, I think O.J. Howard is the best best fit for this for this office right now. Chan, like Chan, he going to do, do well. Do well <laughs> no, it's just uh, obviously, you know, Chan, he, 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 we didn't really utilize the tight end a lot. Uh, we You know, we had Quincy do a lot of things with, you know, mismatches and stuff. But, you know, O.J. Howard, with him being 6'6", 250 pounds, and athletic, he's basically a big receiver. And one of the things that I, I, I watched when we improved on was his blocking. Each and every year, he got better at blocking, so he's able to cover up guys. And me as a running back, uh, extra tight end, blocking in that scheme, it's very valuable. All right, a curveball for the fellas before we let you go, Zach. Um, see if the guys can follow me back in the studio. You went to Vanderbilt, so I got to ask you about Zach Cunningham. Two. <laughs> who was a tackling machine down in Nashville. Uh, what can you say? Give us a scouting report on Cunningham. Well, he's uh, a long guy, rangy guy. Um, he has that versatility to play inside and out because, you know, Vandy played that 3-4 scheme, so he unfortunately had to move 
for opponents. I say unfortunately for opponents because he made a lot of plays in the inside, but also he made plays on the outside too. So a very long rangy player, kind of reminds me of that just long Chandler Jones type player, able to get to the quarterback, great motor. Uh, he's, he's special, man. He's special. That's Zach Stacy, everybody. Give him a round of applause here at MetLife Stadium. Uh, you're watching the 2017 draft show on all Jets platforms. Uh, we're brought to you by MCU. It's the official credit union of the New York Jets. Rich Sermonello alongside myself and Bart Scott as well. Uh, guys, moving on, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky. Um, we touched upon him a little bit before. Looks like Cleveland has some interest, even if they take Miles Garrett, number uh, one overall. How about Deshaun Watson? Give me a breakdown, Rich. Well, I'm, I'm surprised, to be quite honest, that he has slipped in terms of projections. I, I, I think this time of year, I think we all suffer from a little bit of paralysis through analysis. We overthink it. I've watched Deshaun Watson over the past three years, even going back to his high school days in Georgia. And if I'm drafting a quarterback, I want someone who has those intangibles, somebody who's smart, somebody who leads, somebody who knows how to win. And that's not a suggestion that he doesn't have the measurables. He has the requisite measurables. He can make the throws. He needs work EA with his accuracy and his decision-making. But he's three years out of high school. I think he's going to get there. I think he could win a lot of football games. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback at the next level. Bart, the most important stat, I think, when we talk about Deshaun Watson is 32-3. and three. That was his right. record at Clemson. And money time, you talk about, you know, experience, throwing the throws in big spots, understanding situational football. you got to be careful with Mr. Bissy. Is he talented? Yes. But it's the ultimate boom or bust. You know, I played with Kyle Bowler, who didn't have a lot of experience in college, came in and couldn't make the adjustment. You talk about Josh Freeman, who couldn't make the adjustment. You talk about, you know, some people even make the argument about Mark Sanchez. Maybe should have stayed in a couple of years, long, long, you know, a couple more years to get experience. Because what happens is you have to be in these situations. And what happens is, you know, now Mark, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, they set the bar. Dak Prescott, they've set the bar so high right. that guys come in. If Mr. Bisky comes in, he's not going to get a, 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 a red shirt year. He's going to be forced to step in either late in the first um, part of his rookie season and have to produce. And sometimes teams, just guys just need to sit back and have an opportunity. You think about what Carson Palmer had when he had Kitna, was able to sit back, learn how to prepare, be easy into it, get comfortable with making the calls, the checks, not being in shotgun, taking your proper drops. I love to see a rookie with no experience because if he hasn't seen everything in college, he definitely isn't prepared for a defense that I played for. So it can be either boom or bust. What I like about Deshaun Watson, you talk about two championships games, what he did against Nick Saban and that defense, putting up those type of video game type numbers, but coming up big when it counted the most, putting the team on his back when they needed a drive, and marching down the field and making the plays that his team needed to win a national championship. I want winners, to quote Mike Singletary, my old friend. How about, how about that, Bart Scott? Uh, do you think Watson is deserving of a top 10 selection tonight? Well, it's it, it's tough. It has to be by the need of, of, of your team, right. right? Certain teams, absolutely. If, if, if you feel he's your guy, you got to go get him. If you have other needs, if you're a team that maybe needs to address some other needs, you go get the best player available. But if you have a team that can support a Watson, like Dallas had last year, like we had when we had Flacco, like when we had Mark Sanchez, we had a strong running game, a tremendous offensive line. We had a, uh, an outstanding special teams. When you have that, then you can go get Historically a young quarterback. Historically good defense, bring, by the way. Right, and bring them up to speed. And I'm trying to think, hmm, who has that type of situation? It would be the Houston Texans. That's the perfect place for Deshaun Watson to go, a place that has, I believe, Lamar Miller, a home run hitter. You talk about the receivers on the outside. DeAndre you know, Hopkins. And, and the, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Will Fuller, yep. talk about the speed to, to take the top of the defense off. All they need is a young quarterback that can only get better as the season progresses, win the game ugly. You talk about the top defense in the NFL without J.J. Watt. Yep. Okay, so we'll have to see where Watson goes tonight. But, Rich, after Trubisky and Watson, what are you looking at? Because 
a name that's been really hot of late is Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech playing that air raid system. That's a monstrous uh, jump to the National Football League. I know Bart has some comments on that, but let's start with you, Rich. Yeah, listen, I, the one thing I would want to dispel is that uh, Pat Mahomes is strictly a system quarterback. Now, I know, we're going to go head-to-head head here. Isn't he from Texas Tech? Yes, he is. But, but this is not Cliff Kingsbury. This is not Graham Harrell. This is not B.J. Simmons. Cliff Kingsbury is the coach. Yes. Yeah, and, and listen, there's going to be a transition. There's no question about it. A different offense he's going to have to run. But I look at the arm talent, Bart. I look at the ability to improvise and make throws outside of the pocket. I'm not saying he's a year one starter, but I think in the in the landscape of Texas Tech air raid quarterbacks, he is a good level or two above what we've grown accustomed to. Unbelievable arm talent. You have to say that. He's a tremendous athlete when we're talking about Mahomes. And he's very interesting because he throws the ball at all different angles. Bart, go ahead. Take it away. So so was Kyle Bowler. You talk about that Cal system as well. And I'm from Detroit. I grew up a Detroit Lions fan. And I remember a guy who threw the ball all over the place. And I swear he couldn't hit the ocean if he was in a boat when I watched him play. That was Andre Ware. And, and, you know, he, he, he could And one of those systems, system quarterback. And, 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 and I wonder, can this kid stare down the barrel of the gun and still deliver the football? Is he tough? Because what happens is when you play in college with these spread offenses, then what happens is you rarely get hit because people play coverage. They don't blitz you. So now you get a, a false sense of security. Guess what? You 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 go empty or you 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 have one back in the backfield, you have no tight end, you spread out, people are going to attack you and see, hey, they're going to let you complete the ball. They're going to see how you like getting off the ground. I want to see if he's tough. Is he accurate? Is he durable? And that's one of the questions you have when you talk about a young guy like that. And him jumping up the board like that means that he's potentially into the first round, means that he may have to play. Can, can I give him a migraine right you, now? You can do what you want to, Rich Sermonello, and then we have to make a transition to talk about the Jets quarterback. Very quickly, I see hints. I'm not saying he's the second coming. Uh-oh. I see hints and style of play to Brett Favre. Oh, my. Yeah, I'm not saying Brett, Brett Favre has an all-time interception record, so which Brett Favre are you talking about? Uh, all right, Probably so a combination of the two. other quarterbacks in the mix early in the draft, of course, Deshaun Kaiser out of Notre Dame. He's got wonderful arm talent himself, played with some pro passing concepts at Notre Dame under Brian Kelly, and he can tuck it and run. Um, and then you think about guys like Josh Dobbs, guy who played at Tennessee, a successful quarterback there. Uh, Nathan Peterman uh, out of Pittsburgh who participated in the Senior Bowl. But let's talk about the Jets quarterbacks. We touched upon Josh McNown, uh, McCown before, but what about the young passers? Christian Hackenberg, a second-round pick out of Penn State last year. He had a redshirt season. Then... Bryce Betty, fourth-round pick of Mike McKagan in McKagan's first draft. So let's touch upon 2015 and talk about Petty first. To me, I, I, I was not impressed by Petty late last year. I mean, it might have been an unfair situation that he was thrust into. Uh, he is transitioning from a system that's anathema to what he's obviously seeing in the pros. In terms of Christian Hackenberg, listen, I thought it was a curious choice at the time. I was concerned about him coming out of college, did not see the progression that I expected initially under Bill O'Brien. And, you know, I, I look at Christian Hackenberg and two words come to mind for me, Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley takes over at Penn State last year, and that is a completely different program, winning a Big Ten title. Uh, Hackenberg was not able to get it done. Listen, if the Jets draft a quarterback in the first three rounds, to me, that's a that's a blatant signal that they're not happy well, about the future of Hackenberg. So here's a couple things. Uh, Hackenberg, the intent always was that he was going to have a redshirt year. Remember, Ryan Fitzpatrick won 10 games. The Jets tried to put the band together again after they set a franchise record in terms of total yards. So Hackenberg came into a situation where the plan always was for him to absorb the system. Now he will be working with the quarterback's coach and Jeremy Bates. 
and a new offensive coordinator in John Morton. Jeremy Bates has been lauded for his work with a lot of quarterbacks throughout the National Football League, including most notably Jay Cutler. So if you're Hackenberg, you're looking at this as a reset. And Todd Bowles said, hey, listen, we're having an open competition at the quarterback position. Well, what I like in this in this offensive system, they utilize the tight end, which is a young quarterback's best friend, you know, that outlet, uh, somebody that you can dump the ball to, somebody that's always in your line of sight. You know, I think for Bryce Petty, it's, a, it's time for him to make the next step. You talk about going into his third year. The game should start. To, to slow down for him. He's going to have a competition. Last year, you know, the uncertainty of was Ryan coming back? Is he coming back? I think that could have stirred the room up a little bit. But coming in with an open competition, you know you got to do your best. You know you got to step up because this, this thing is wide open. You know Josh McCown is a short-term solution. So one of these guys have to step up and dare to be great. And it starts in the classroom. It starts in the offseason. It starts by trying to become a leader. You talk about young guys are going to have to step up on this Jets team and be leaders now because they can't depend on the real Reavers. They can't look to their left and see Nick Mango. You know, you got David Harris and that's it. So it's time for somebody else to come up. And I don't want to discredit uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, some of the older players that's been here. But what I'm saying is it's time for some of these younger guys to step up and be leaders. It's okay. Since the first round is tonight, I want to talk about two players. Two years ago, the Jets had the number six overall selection in the draft. They took a guy by the name of Leonard Williams. Mike McKagan stuck to his guns, best player available. Leonard Williams played, participated early on, and he was a factor as a rookie, but he took a sophomore leap last year, and he ended up in the Pro Bowl. This is a young guy. I think the sky is the limit for him. Then last year, the Jets, after a successful campaign where, unfortunately, they finished out of the playoffs, um, they took Darren Lee in the spring, the guy who played next to your buddy, David Harris, and got a chance to learn on the run. So... What I'm going to ask you, Bart Scott, is can Darren, Darren Lee now take a similar jump that Leonard Williams did from years one to two? I believe so because now he's more comfortable with the verbiage. And, you know, the biggest leap comes that second year because you step in a room. And what he has to guard against is being overconfident because sometimes you come and you think you know more than when you really know. He has to keep that humility. All he has to do is look to his left and see David Harris, a guy that's a workmanlike guy, a guy that puts in the time, puts in the effort, a true professional. If he can take and learn a little bit of what David has with his speed and athleticism, he definitely can be every bit the player I believe Shazier is up in yeah, and that would be tremendous for this Jets team. And he's still playing next to the heart of the defense and David Harris. And who better to learn from than a guy like David Harris who's seen it all. And, oh, by the way, he's second in franchise history in terms of all-time stops. Um, let's stay at the linebacker position. The Jets a couple years ago took Lorenzo Malden. He has a new outside linebackers coach in Kevin Green. What? Were your thoughts when the Jets uh, signed Kevin Green to lead their outside rushers? Oh, I love it. I, I mean, I, I think he brings such energy, personality. I think he's going to, yeah, credibility, uh, has the track record, has the resume. I think the young guys who even never saw him play, I think they're going to realize very quickly that this is somebody who knows what he's talking about and is passionate about the sport. And I think that resonates throughout a locker room. Well, I think Ty Bowles' first first practice, official practice, needs to get a Kevin Green highlight tape. This man was a – he played we, – we always say he played with his hair on fire. And I think he, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a lot sooner than he did. Uh, but he's a great player. What a person. What a what an asset to, to a resource for a young outside linebacker. You know, Kevin Green played as a DN. He played as a stand-up in Pittsburgh. You know, to really lean on his knowledge and learn some of the tricks of the trade. I think Molden could – will do well. I mean, he may need to move into his guest house and get some tips. He may need to move in full time. Uh, we are live at MetLife Stadium. It is the Jets pre-draft show at the Jets annual draft party. We got a great crowd here. The green and white faithful are assembling for the 2017 draft. We're brought to you today by MCU, the official credit union of the New York Jets. Hey, fans, if you're interested in Jets tickets, it's 800-469-JETS. And for people in attendance gathering around the stage right now, we have client 
representatives all over the place. So if you guys have any questions about season tickets here inside the building, we have client representatives all over the place. At home, 800-469-JETS. Our draft extravaganza rolls on on all our platforms. Bart, I wanted to ask you about uh, Kevin Green. You started talking about the credibility he brings to the Jets. Um, what do you think about Kevin Green as a wrestler? Because folks at home right now are watching a little action package of Kevin Green <laughs> in the WCW. Oh, that, oh, that's funny, man. I remember those days, too. You know, that's a man after my own heart. You know, I love wrestling. You know, Kevin Green, I forgot who he was aligned with, but, I mean, it just fit his personality. He was an animal. You know, he fought he, Ric Flair. And he, well, yeah, I think he has the size advantage on the nature boy, but the nature boy had the swag <laughs> over him. He probably hit him with a high gouge, a flip over the rope with a clothesline, came under and got him in the finger for a leg line. I love that. You know, I love wrestling. You, you get me all excited. You, you know what you're doing. You're trying to get me loose. So here's the deal. Uh, Kevin Green is Mr. Intensity. He's going to bring that on the field for uh, to the Jets' young edge rushers. Jordan Jenkins played really well for the Jets down the stretch last year. Lorenzo Malden enters a critical season for himself. But, Bart, one more question about wrestling. What about you in <laughs> TNA? Because oh, I think the folks at home are watching you right now Come on, man. with Kurt Angle. Yeah, getting you in the ankle lock. Yeah, the tap out. You know, I want a rematch, especially now that Kurt's a little bit older now that neck stepping up a little bit. But how about me and Kevin Green getting our own tag team? Let the fans come up with the name, and let's go out and go to WrestleMania or SummerSlam next year. So Kevin Green and Bart Scott as a tag team? What do you all think about that? We call it Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> Okay, fans are coming into MetLife Stadium. You're going to be able to watch the Jets pick over to our right. NFL Network is going to broadcast that live. We have a couple minutes here on stage. We're having tremendous fun up here. Eric Allen on stage at MetLife Stadium alongside Rich Sermonello and Bart Scott. The folks are really happy. Bart Scott in the house. Um, guys... We just had a little bit of fun, but let's touch on something really serious here. Character and medicals play an important part of the draft process. And let's talk about Oklahoma running back Joe Mixon punched a female student, and later the video was released. Ohio State cornerback Gary Conley has been accused of sexual assault just days leading up to the draft. Florida defensive tackle Caleb Brantley was charged on suspicion of misdemeanor battery following a physical altercation with a woman where Brantley allegedly struck a woman with a closed fist. Um, Mike McCagnan addressed this issue because he was asked about, hey, Joe Mixon on your board. He said, for competitive reasons, I'm not going to say whether he is on our board or off our board. He said, I would say simply, we don't take it lightly. I have no problem whatsoever taking players off the board from that standpoint. I'd rather we focus on players that are good players and ideally good people and good members of our society. As a person who used to lace them up and be in the locker room on Sundays, Bart Scott, Bart Scott your thoughts? Well, for me, you know, for everybody out there don't know, I was a mentor to Ray Rice. You know, and I've watched, you know, him basically lose his NFL career. But I've also watched what he's done after the incident and him becoming an advocate for domestic violence. And listen, it's not about him trying to look good to get back in the NFL. He's continued to do the work even though he knows now that there's no chance for him to get back in the NFL. So everybody deserves a second chance, but they have to truly be sorry and truly be willing to put in the work try and address the issues and understand the reasons why and understand that it's consequences. And you talk about an incident that took place in 2014. He hasn't had any incidents since then. You know, so I think you go and you do your research, you go and find out what type of person he is. Because at one point in my career, I was suspended and kicked off the team because people thought I had bad character. I think anybody that knows me since then understands that that wasn't the case. Sometimes you, you make impulsive decisions, not, not apologize or make excuses for what he's done. But if he's truly sorry, everybody deserves a second chance because 
talk about a young kid that was 18 years old, you know, that can't be the, the narrative for the rest of his life. He still has the opportunity to change the narrative. Rich, what are your, some of your thoughts there? Because obviously, like Bart said, folks get a chance for second for second chances, an opportunity for second chances. But with that being said, if you're a team and you're not comfortable with a player for an egregious mistake and you don't think this person has learned from it, hey, you take them off the board. Yeah, I mean, this is potentially a toxic situation. I, I think it's a fascinating situation because if we look just at talent, this is a first-round running back. I think this is a back end of the first-round running back. He's a fantastic pros, uh, prospect. For me, I, I think this is a decision that really reaches the level of an owner. I, I think an owner probably has to give a blessing on a Joe Mixon I, I, because I, I think it could really affect the franchise from a public relations standpoint. He's going to have a very thin margin for error. Now, he's been vetted over the past couple of months psychologically. So I think teams know whether or not this was an isolated incident or this is a potential powder keg that could erupt again in the future. I completely concur with Bart. 18-year-old kid deserves a second chance, has been clean at Oklahoma ever since then. Let's hope that that trend continues. Yeah, and bottom line, uh, there's no place in society for domestic violence, and we all know, know that. No place in society for domestic violence, and I think it's good that teams are paying more attention to this as far as the character is concerned. Absolutely. And then you talk about the medicals as well. We're here at MetLife Stadium. Eric Allen, Rich Sermonello, Bart Scott. It's the Jets annual draft party. The green and white faithful on hand. We got about five minutes left in the show. Um, Rich, we haven't even talked about the defensive backs at length. So quickly, just how deep of a class is this? And if you don't take a guy like a Marshawn Lattimore in the first round or a Quincy Wilson from Florida, how can you attack that position in day two and feel awfully comfortable about it? Yeah, I mean, there's a real preponderance of talented corners and safeties. So if it's not a Marshawn Lattimore in the first round, I think the Jets can clearly take a gifted defensive back in the second round. I think about someone like Kevin King, who was overshadowed in Washington. Great size, great measurables. And, you know, not to make this into a Husky infomercial, but, you know, someone like Sidney Jones, who was phenomenal for the past three years. But he got the Achilles. Seattle, but he has the Achilles injury. But you know what? That Achilles injury is going to heal, and I don't see a drop-off. So, yeah. Remember this name, Buddha Baker, safety at Washington. Oh, yeah, I love Buddha Baker. But I tell you, listen, I know this is kind of off the subject, but I would love to see McCagna move back into the first round and go get an outside pass rusher like Derek. Where's my guy? Derek Barnett. If he can pull that one off, because you talk about the great interior pass rush we have with Richardson, Leonard, uh, Wilkerson. They, but the Jets have always missed that outside pure pass rusher. When you have that, that makes up for the sins on can the back. Can he play standing up? Can Barnett play standing up real quick? I think he can. Who cares? I remember being around Terrell Suggs and he never dropped in coverage in his life. He turned out to be a pretty good one. So, uh, Barnett, I don't know if you can get him in at the back end of that first round. You might have to get him early. So the Jets have a ton of options tonight. Mike McKagan has said, hey, listen, we're in a good position at six, but you want to call me? Give me a call. And by the way, the Jets' phones are working at one Jets drive, and we're going back to the facility. But before we go back to the facility, because i got to cover the draft, you have a mock draft. Who are the Jets taking tonight? Run through one through five really quick. Who's the sixth overall selection? Yeah, Miles Garrett, number one. I've got Jamal Adams, number two. Marshawn Lattimore to the Bears at number three. Fournette to Jacksonville at number four. Solomon Thomas, I, I think, is probably my favorite player in this draft. Stanford defensive lineman. Number six, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. O.J. Howard of Alabama. Rich Sermonello says O.J. Howard from Alabama. If the Jets stay there, what does Bart Scott say? I concur. The message is authentic. Okay. That is the draft show. What a program. We enjoyed it. 
brought to you by MCU. It's official credit union of the New York Jets. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank everybody here at MetLife Stadium. The fun is just beginning. The Jets are getting better tonight, and they're getting better this weekend. Thanks. Next time, tell me it's live. <laughs>